0: Hi, this is Ellie Fisherman, and welcome to November 2013 CTSS quiz. We have 10 excellent cases, which hopefully you've got right, but hopefully you've at least thought about them. And so let me now go over each of the cases. In this case, you'll know when you look at the images, you see thickening of the terminal ileum very very classic appearance for Crohn's disease when you look at the coronal views you very nicely can see a regularity of the right side of the dome of the bladder with a fistulous tract present so this case the patient has an enterovesical fistula and obviously it's due to Crohn's disease the number one cause of enterovesical fistula is diverticulitis typically occurs on the left side number two is Crohn's typically occurs as in this case on the right side Very very nice example. CT is very good at looking at enterovesical fistulae. This is an interesting case and this is a case I have not seen looking exactly like this. Look at the axial images. Look at the size of the renal veins. It looks like someone with renal shunting except it's both left and right renal veins. And then you see the enhancing structure in the hilum and you see everything is on the arterial phase. And what are we looking at? Look at the 3D images. Just beautiful set of images. And this is a beautiful case of an AV fistula between the renal artery and veins and it's bilateral. Again Uh, AV fistula can be due to trauma or surgery, but the most common cause probably is congenital and that undoubtedly was the case in this situation. This is a pretty study. If you look at the axial imaging, you see dilated bowel and there appears to be a transition distally. There's haziness in the mesentery and you really have to worry about ischemic bowel. When you look at the images in the coronal plane, you really see the dilated proximal loops and you see a definite transition in the right lower quadrant, but there's no mass there, there's no external compression, and it's a classic appearance of obstruction due to adhesions. Just a very nice example, and this was subsequently proven at time of surgery. You can see from this case, CT very nicely allows you to define the presence of obstruction, the site of obstruction, and the cause of obstruction. This is an interesting case. When you first look at it, you think pancreatic mass, and that's why the patient was referred, and there even is some mildly dilated intrapatic ducts, but the epicenter really isn't the pancreas, so then you think it's duodenum. So then I would be thinking that it's a GIST tumor. If it's not a GIST tumor, I guess it could be metastasis, and in fact, this was metastatic melanoma, And in fact, it could be a duodenal carcinoma because it does appear to be epicenter in the duodenum, though it would be the largest homogeneous duodenal carcinoma. Most would be necrotic by this point. I think the least likely diagnosis is pancreatic cancer. Based on the epicenter and the appearance of the lesion is not pancreatic cancer. I always hate questions that are the least likely, but I think this is the least likely, though I guess in theory you could think about a very unusual appearing pancreatic mass, but it ain't going to be an adenocarcinoma so I'll stick with that answer. This is a great case if you look at the images patient with abdominal pain not only do you see a distended gallbladder with fluid around the gallbladder but you see the gallbladder wall enhancement and you also see perfusion changes in the liver. Now you can see perfusion changes if you have tuber infiltration like a gallbladder cancer but you also commonly see uh, perfusion changes when you have acute cholecystitis. Okay, so at a minimum this patient has acute cholecystitis. Then you look at the thickening of the wall. It's not a discrete mass, so I wouldn't be calling this gallbladder cancer. It's not simply periportal or perihepatic edema, and it's not atomyosis. This basically, the best diagnosis is, and this was proven at surgery, that this was gangrenous, colcystitis. Now could this just be severe non-gangrenous cholecystitis? I guess it could be, but nevertheless, this is an important case and an acute emergency. This is an interesting case. The patient had the right upper quadrant pain and the problem was felt to be gallbladder in nature. It's interesting when you look at the early phase imaging, there's active bleeding in the gallbladder. And on late phase imaging, you can see the blood layering out and there's some clot in the base. This was an incredible case. It's the first case I've really seen of hemorrhagic col cystitis. There was no trauma, no procedure done, it was just hemorrhagic col cystitis. I guess it wasn't part of acute col cystitis, it wasn't gallbladder cancer or adenomyosis, but hey, it's closest to hemorrhagic col cystitis because you can see the active bleed. I did consider and thought about the potential of a tumor, though I didn't see one. Uh, Most unusual case, I will have to admit. In this case, what's the most likely diagnosis? You can see by the arrows, there's a high density rim around the ascending aorta, which you then visualize with contrast or pleural effusions. But the key to this case is the high density rim in the non-contrast study, which is classic for an intramural hematoma. There's no pseudo dissection here. This is not a normal aorta with plaque, but there's no aortic section at this point. This was a classic example of an intramural hematoma. Now with intramural hematomas, management initially is conservative and that was the situation in this case as well. This is a great case, very unusual, but we do see this every once in a while. You look at the axial images, you see a large aneurysm and it's bulging out and it's projecting posterior. It's really in a sense a pseudo aneurysm. Then you look at the spine, you see osteomyelitis in the spine, erosion of the disc space and that put and putting them together as a mycotic pseudoaneurysm with secondary osteomyelitis. Elos danlos can give you large aneurysms. Takayashu's gives you vasculitis. Dissection is dissection, but this is an outpouching, classic pseudoaneurysm with bony involvement most common in a process like a mycotic aneurysm. In this case, I'm asking you what is the endoleak remember there are four types of endo leaks most common is number two and that's typically due to flow from a lumbar artery or IMA in this case it was a branch off the IMA and typically most endo leaks at least 80 percent will resolve on their own by six months others will uh, not resolve and intervention will be necessary but again endo leaks can be very small as in this example this is a great case in this case, the patient was evaluated for possible dissection. What you really see very impressive outside the aorta is the fact the patient has air in the mediastinum and in the retroperitoneum and around the esophagus, and the patient had no recent procedure, did not have endoscopy where you might have perforated, or had a biopsy where you might have perforated. Uh, this doesn't look like a mycotic aneurysm, but how do you explain the air? It's not a simple dissection. The patient wasn't intubated, and so tracheal perforation is not likely. You can have rupture of the trachea with severe coughing, but that's very, very unusual. The most likely thing would be is that if you look near where the um, air is really coming from, and you look at the extent of tumor, this is a patient with aortoesophageal fistula, uh, secondary to uh, uh, the uh, inflammatory component between the aneurysm and the esophagus. Again, you can see fistules between uh, aneurysms in the trachea or esophagus. Here you can make it out best on the uh, view at the AP window. Really nice example. So again, a very challenging case, but one that's a critical uh, study where the patient goes straight to the operating room. So with that, I've given you 10 terrific cases. Hopefully you got them all right. But more importantly, hopefully you learned at least one thing in each case. And with that, see you next time.